Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There must be some kind of way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. And with that, welcome back to another episode of Two Bills in a Pod. Jordan McGee, Daniel Hahn here with you. Hope you are all doing well. Uh, I will say, um, I know Daniel and I kind of agree on this. Uh, For those who listen, we hope that our podcast is just a kind of a bit of a distraction in terms of the world. And I think it's fair to say, given the light of the current situation in the world, that maybe you could use a welcome distraction. I I know I can too. So we're going to talk some Buffalo Bills today, some news, some mock drafts. Have some lighter, good conversations about football and the Bills. Daniel, I, I hope you are doing well. Uh, you know, I, I what I enjoy about this podcast is a lot is I hope that everyone who listens can just enjoy this and, you know, just sit back, relax, you know, listen to, a, you know, two friends talking some Buffalo Bills for an hour. And I think that's something maybe we all need right now, just a break uh, from the constant news cycle that we're living in. Yeah, I mean, sports are the constant distraction, aren't they? You, Everyone likes sports for various reasons. I'll tell you, my I enjoy the movies quite a bit. Our taste in movies might be different, but I do enjoy them. Kind of you get suspended in reality or an alternate reality, whatever it is in sports. To me, they are a movie with a uh, unexpected ending every single time when you consider wins and losses and what happens throughout the game. Um, unless you're the Bills with Josh Allen, then you just expect wins and you're disappointed in the ending if it's anything different. But, yeah, sports are a distraction, and we enjoy doing this. So, yeah, if you're stressed about anything in the world or news cycle, then hopefully this helps. And being Bills fans, we can dive deep into Bills stuff, and we'll also go around the NFL. We're getting into free agency period, Jordan. The franchise tags are something we'll talk about this episode Teams have till March 11th, I believe, to tag people. Then you go free agency. Then you go draft. Then you go into the great hiatus of my favorite time, which is mini camp reporting, um, yeah. and just how amazing everyone looks. And this is the greatest player ever. And then we never hear from that person ever again. But I'll, I'll save that for all of May. That's my entire May. Um, so I don't need to get into it right now. But. But, Jordan, let me help you. We'll dive right into it. We may even talk Dan Campbell a little bit, which will be very <laughs> thrilling for me as we get later on. But Bill's news, it's been light, but it has been newsworthy this week, and that is the Bills have a signing. They've re-signed defensive back, primarily cornerback, Sierra Neal. He's a three-year, $10.25 million deal. He has the third most special teams tackles. Uh, since 2018, amongst all players in the NFL, 
Obviously, there's a big special team signing. He's also gotten a lot of reps in the secondary with it when guys are injured in nickel formations. I still suspect you're going to see a little more and more of him there. But this is, make no bones about it, this is a special team signing. Three years, $10-plus million, is that too much? Is that too small? You know, Jordan, we can talk about that. The team is tight on the cap. They re-sign one of their own, another guy from the 2018 draft right. class that has proven to be very, very good. And even Sarah Neal said he'll put that class up against anybody. But, you know, this is what the Bills want to do. Whether it's cost-efficient or not, they want to draft, they want to develop, and they want to retain. And in Sierra Neal's case, they have done just that. Yeah, and I think the point of one Sarah Neal is a guy that is kind of you know, maybe not be the biggest player in terms of name value or recognition, but it is very crucial, especially, you know, right, we talk about the stretch half of the season where Trey White goes down. Saran Neal had to step in at times to, you know, help with that secondary. But I think you hit a point on it, too. This 2018 class, right, how, like, you know, we're now, what, we're going to be four years out from this class since it's been drafted. This is very fascinating. you Obviously, Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, Harrison Phillips, Teron Johnson, Saran Neal, uh, Wyatt Teller, they traded. So, like, outside, the, the first five picks, you know, Wyatt Teller's gone, Ray Ray McLeod's gone, and Austin Farrell uh, is also gone. But the first, was it one, two, three, four, five? The first five picks of this draft, right, you know, they're still on this team, and not only on the team, but making impacts, right? Um so I, this is going to be very fascinating how we look back on this class. Obviously, Josh Allen's going to get the attention, right, you know, of any of the players, understandably so. Um, but I think this goes to show you, again, a little bit more of just how well, uh, again, Brandon Bean and his front office is able to draft guys. Because, when, I mean, let's be honest, Saran Neal gets drafted, you're like, okay, not really sure what he's going to turn into. Or Teron Johnson, you're like, eh, you know, we'll see. And they've become very valuable, key integral parts to this defense. You know, again, guys who were fourth and fifth round picks, uh, you know, who could have been kind of afterthoughts. Or if you want to look at a draft class closer, Gabriel Davis, fourth round pick, kind of like, you know, we'll see. Now is looking like he's going to be wide receiver number two. You know, stuff like that, where you look back and you're like, this, you know, call it luck, call it scouting, you know, um, the Bills are doing a very good job of developing talent from within and then retaining said talent in the building. Yeah, three years, $10 million is not exactly breaking the bank, and that's fine. The Bills don't have a lot of cap space, but this works for them, and I'm glad Saran Neal is back. He's an important part of this defense, and once again, goes to show you what this front office has been able to establish in drafting young players, developing them, and then keeping them in-house uh, you know, so going to Buffalo, you know, if you're a prospect in the, you know, this upcoming draft, you get drafted by Buffalo, you feel pretty good about, you know, your potential NFL future in terms of this organization really highly values, you know, developing talent and then rewarding said talent once it comes time to cash in. Yeah. And keeping Sarah Neal is a, I, I don't want to say it's a big, big deal. But I think it's also magnified a little bit by the fact that you don't know what the future is for Levi Wallace. You don't know when Tredavious White's coming back. So 
getting a look, as much security with people you know in the building, what they can and can't do, where their strengths and weaknesses are, is big, and it establishes you as a foundation. And, and when we enter free agency, I know I say it every year, the key here is to not be desperate. You don't need to enter free agency or the draft with a glaring, glaring need of, of desperation, saying no matter what, we have to take X position, otherwise we don't have anyone at that position. And that that kind of puts you behind the eight ball in terms of the bargaining table. The last time the Bills were in that position, Jordan, I think was probably the 2018 draft when they cut Preston Brown at linebacker, didn't have a linebacker entering the draft, and we knew at some point you're drafting a middle linebacker. Lo and behold, here comes Tremaine Edmonds um, kind of in the fold. So that's been a long time. And Sierra Neal, he's not going to be your starting cornerback, but he is a special teams ace. Don't sleep on special teams. We never want to talk about special teams when we do the recaps of games, unless it's punting. But when we do talk about them, it's usually bad. So, you know, I think the Bills have made a point to address it. They value special teams performers, and he's not the only one. Taiwan Jones is another name to watch this free agency cycle. Tyler Medikevich is still on the roster. Again, another big signing a couple years ago for his special teams work. Um, I like it. I like the move. I, I think the dollar value is what it is. You know, like you said, there's, there's something to be said about doing what you say you're going to do, which is draft, develop, and retain. It makes the bills to me, maybe not for the draft because, you know, wherever you're drafted, you're going, but for those undrafted free agents, maybe the bills become a better, maybe a better team that you might want to go try your hand at because if you do make the roster, they're going to keep you and they're going to retain you. And that's something they've proven with this uh, front office group. So, yeah. And the other name you mentioned in that draft class, I know he's not on the Bills, is Wyatt Teller, but dude is one of the best guards in the NFL. So if Sierra Neal is just looking at who was in his draft class, Wyatt Teller still fits. And, yeah, it didn't work out in Buffalo for whatever reason, but dude is having himself a tremendous career in Cleveland, which is pretty darn good at running the ball. Um, so Jordan, we're going to bounce around a little bit since we're kind of on this topic, but as we go through the off season, like I mentioned, the next thing coming up is going to be franchise tags. And I'd like to go there next before we get into too much more teams have till March 11th. You know, the big name you're seeing around the NFL circles is probably Devonte Adams will be the one franchise tag out of green Bay. You know, Jordan, the Bills do have free agents. They do have a limited cap space. Is there anyone that you think they're going to tag in the franchise tag market? You know, see, this is the interesting question, right? Like, you're looking at the list, right? Um, Would they put the franchise tag on Levi Wallace? I think maybe. Um, That's the one, isn't it? It is. It has to be. I mean, because... You know, if you're looking at bringing back Levi Wallace, right, he's going to demand, you know, rightfully so. I, you know, I, I don't know what the market looks like. You know, let's just kind of look look at the, you know, Levi Wallace, for example. Again, this is according to, you know, Sportac, right? You know, I'm looking at in terms of estimated value, right? Um, and if I'm looking at the market, uh, I'm pulling up this information right now as we speak, but... Um, so his market value roughly translates to, I would say, about 
a $9.6 million annual salary, according to SportTac. Um, so like a three-year, $28.8 million, $28. million deal, roughly speaking, according to their numbers, right? The Bills really can't afford that. I mean, they could try. They could squeeze in some numbers. But if they want to save themselves some costs and also time in terms of drawing another corner, I think Levi Wallace makes sense. Is it something that he wants? No. No one really wants the franchise tag. But if they're kind of not really sure about the plan and direction, what they want to go with at that second corner position, they might slap a franchise tag on him just to say, hey, we're going to buy ourselves a year, try to figure the situation out. Maybe then uh, be able to find somebody in the draft that you can develop who that can slip in place if Levi Wallace then decides he wants to get a bigger payday. Um, but if you're looking at you know a, a cheap one-year deal versus a three-year $28.8 million deal, economically speaking, I'm I'm taking the franchise tag. Yeah, this is Levi Wallace is the only one that comes to mind because there's big names that are free agents like a Jerry Hughes or a Mario Addison. Um, big names indeed, but when you look at the needs of the Bills and where they might not want to let someone escape to the free agent market because of the Tredavious White injury, I think Levi Wallace is that guy. And I'm not saying that you have to use the franchise tag to keep him. You may be confident in the culture that he's kind of groomed up in. Again, we just talked about it. Levi Wallace is an undrafted free agent. And he's worked himself and played his way into what should be a decent payday from some team. And it comes down to what he prefers. He's going to get overpaid for one year on the franchise tag as a cornerback for sure. Because like you said, if he's looking at roughly $9 million annually from like spot track and other services, the franchise tag is over that for cornerbacks. So, but it's only one year and Levi Wallace, like most players probably want a long-term deal for Buffalo, it may make a lot of financial sense to put them on the tag for one year just so that you have, again, that security that you have another cornerback, whether Tredavious White is ready or not. You'll probably address cornerback again in free agency of the draft. But Levi Wallace, to me, is the priority free agent to bring back because of Tredavious White's injury, the unknown. It's an ACL, Jordan, and we know it takes about a year to recover. He got injured late in the year. All signs point to the fact he'll probably be practicing right around August, which he's your number one corner. He's going to use that ACL quite a bit to cut. Uh, I would like to have a little bit extra cornerback depth uh, entering the season just with the unknown of how he'll look when he comes back. Is he going to be on a snap count? Is he going to be really back week one, or is he just going to be kind of practicing week one? Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think Levi Wallace is the franchise tag candidate. Do the Bills actually do it? Jordan, I'm going to say no. I don't think they mm. tag anyone this, this season. And the reason being, Levi Wallace should go to the open market. I don't think they lock him up before free agency. They'd be smart to. But if I was Levi Wallace, I'd at least be curious what's out there free agency-wise, although I know that the most value that I have to any team if I'm Levi Wallace, is probably to the Buffalo Bills on the Buffalo Bills that the best offer may come from Buffalo even when he looks out in free agency. It'd be different if Leslie Frazier got a head coaching job. It'd be different if there were other defensive coaches for the Bills that have moved to other teams. Um, but 
you know, I don't think Brian Dayball is making him a priority to come to the Giants, right? I I just think with what the Bills' needs are, his most value in a contract is probably in Buffalo at this point, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's the Levi Wallace piece on that. Yeah, and I, I will say, right, like again, it is going to be interesting to see again the market for Levi Wallace because, uh, again, I'm under the personal notion of I think the Bills should move on from Levi Wallace, as scary as that may be. I think there are better options out there. Um, but it will be interesting. That, I mean, he's going to get attention, right? You know, he's going to get, you know, right? Like, hey, he's a guy, right, who is a starting caliber corner. Um, you know, but there are maybe teams who are a little bit more desperate, who maybe will overpay, you know, maybe instead of $10 million, they might throw 12 13 million dollars his way you know what i mean um so it's gonna be interesting to see what the market commands for levi wallace there's gonna be attention for sure but um you know he's the biggest free agent we agree you know and obviously jerry hughes and mario addison are you know are also big names but i think levi wallace is the one that ever we're all gonna be kind of watching for to see okay this position hasn't been addressed by the bills really in the draft or free agency do they make this effort to bring him back? Are they going to pay him or are they just going to let him walk? And if so, now's the time to sort of get your ish together in terms of figuring out what you're going to do at that second corner position. Exactly. I mean, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, they're good guys that you want to bring back. But what makes Levi Wallace different is the Bills didn't just draft back-to-back-to-back defensive ends in the last two drafts in the top rounds. You have... AJ Epinesa second round, and the next year you double down and do Gregory Rousseau and, and Boogie Basham in rounds one and two. They haven't done that with the cornerback position, right? They've kind of thrown these rando veterans at Levi Wallace, and he just kind of fed them off. So, you know, again, I'm comfortable like you. You could do better than Levi Wallace, I, but it's a risky proposition because you don't know for sure. And the way the Bills have addressed the veteran presences. Levi Wallace has always been better. So you don't, you don't know exactly if they're going to put the draft resources into it, and they're right around that. They're at pick 25, and Tredavious White was, what, pick 29, I believe. So they're in that range where you can get a very, very good cornerback if you do the right scouting in the draft, which would be amazing. But rookies take time to come in. They're not going to be instantaneous in this team. Wants to win a Super Bowl right now. So you don't want to play with fire too much if you can avoid it. So that's the franchise tag. Again, I expect the Bills to be quiet, but tis the season. They may try to make that move to maybe give themselves more time to work out a long-term deal with someone as well. You just never know. Let's double down on that, Jordan, and go to cut candidates because Bills are under the cap, or over the cap, I should say. They're going to make some moves. There's some contract restructuring. I want to know what names you're looking at and expect to hear from in terms of either we're going to move money around to free up cap space or we're going to cut you and take your cap space and do it something else. And I'll, <laughs> I'll get started. And I think, I think there's two names that jump out. Well, I'm going to say there's three names that you'll see most reported because of things going on. I'll start with the cut candidates. Mitch Morse. Yeah as a big cut number, because if you cut them, it's only 3.75 of dead cap, which means you're basically getting $8 million in your salary cap back. But, I mean, 
Mitch Morris had probably the best year that he's ever had in Buffalo, maybe the best year of his career. He was healthy the whole time. I get looking at the entire contract. It's like, man, this dude has just been injured. But that would be a bold, bold cut, considering how good he played and how good this offense was last year. And with all the other changes you're doing around Josh Allen, taking his center away, that. No, I, I mm-hmm. no, 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 no. That's too much change for me. I'm not against change, but that's a little bit, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Is he a guy that you could restructure his contract to free up space? Yes. I think that's, that's more likely than cutting, but you will hear Mitch Morris probably talk about as one of the big cut candidates because of that low dead cap number that the Bills would take on if they removed him. The other one is the one that I think is going to happen, and that's Cole Beasley. Uh, you get six six point one million dollars if you cut him. Could he restructure and also take a lower cap hit? Yes. Does he have value to this offense? Yes. But you know whether he was a distraction or not, does that come into play? I don't know for sure. I know he's getting up there in age. I know he's on a big cap number. And you look around the free agency market and you think, do we want to bring Isaiah McKenzie back for a lower price? Do the same thing. Do you want to bring Cole Beasley back? Do you want to draft someone? Hint, hint, my favorite mock. But I think Cole Beasley isn't worth close to $8 million per year, but he is still got a valuable spot on this roster. Just I'd like it at a lower number, so that's why I think he's a cut candidate unless he restructures. You know, I, I, I agree with you in the both points. I think Mitch Morse is talked about a lot, and I know like in the past he's had injury history, but like you said, he was healthy all season. He played phenomenally. That's too risky of a move, right, with a center position to just say, we're going to just cut this person out, right? Um, I think you would hope that Mitch Morris would be understanding to restructure his contract. Um, You know, again, every player is different in terms of, do you do it for the team and winning a championship? Or is he like, nah, I want to make my money. Like, don't tell me what to do. Um, But he's definitely a restructured candidate. I would not cut him. I would... If the Bills cut him, it's because they cannot reach an agreement in terms of a restructured deal. Um, because they definitely need Mitch Morris. And, right, like you said, changing center, you know, there's a certain chemistry that the center and cornerback have that you don't want to mess with. You don't want to tamper with that. Um, so I I agree with you on the restructuring deal. And then Cole Beasley... I think it's time that he walks. Now, I will say, you know, we've talked at length about him off the field, right? And understandably so. He's He, he caused a distraction for the Bills. There's no if ands, or buts about it. But with the emergence of Gabriel Davis, right, for example, you still have Isaiah McKenzie in the fold. Um, the Bills probably could be looking towards an option in the draft. Um it's not to say that Cole Beasley isn't valuable. He is, but I think other players' value is starting to shine, particularly Gabriel Davis. I think his emergence so quickly, I mean, look what we saw against the Chiefs game, right? You know, four touchdowns. Dude is looking more and more like, wow, he could be, he could start becoming one of the better receivers in the league. You, you pair with Stephon Diggs, who's already there, you know, you have a one-two option. And then you have Dawson Knox also emerging as a tight end option. I mean, he had like eight, nine touchdowns. He was up there in terms of, um, if not right up top for most uh, touchdowns by a tight end. 
right? Uh, he's emerged. There's other options that has emerged, and Cole Beasley kind of got lost in the fray a bit in terms of you know the uh, volume of uh, passes thrown his way because other options were just playing better. Um, yes, I I I do worry if they cut him. There will be a political backlash. They'll say that, oh, they cut him because of his stance. Um, and the Bills don't have to justify any of their transactions for any player. Um, but there is a worry. But I think it, I think they can move on from Cole Beasley knowing that other options have emerged. And if they wanted to go in the draft to look at a different option, that they can. Um, and also... Frankly, yes, he is a bit of a headache. And if you can find a younger option or cheaper to as well, I would I would be hard to tempt if Brandon Bean wasn't going to explore those options. So agree with you on that part. And I think that's the other thing that you brought up a good point. It's the emergence of Dawson Knox, that over-the-middle, short-yardage guy who can kind of just find soft spots in the zone because he's a bit more reliable of a target than he has been in years past more targets are going to that athletic tight end. He's a mismatch. Cole Beasley is still, I think, one of the best short yardage receivers in terms of getting space and getting open when you need someone real fast, especially on hot routes. But Stephon Diggs can also do that. Like you said, Dawson Knox is now a matchup nightmare for for defenses. There's other options that have emerged that have made the Bills a little more dynamic that if you had to lose him to, again, we're not saying lose him for nothing. You're losing him for money that you can use to address other things, whether that be offensive line, the secondary defensive line, bring back some guys that you like. You got to find money somewhere. It, it does not, you know, you're going to have to do something. You can't just sit fast quarrels. You can't do anything. Um, so I think that's definitely possible. The other thing that I think is almost a guarantee at some point this off season, Stefan Diggs again, restructures his contract. His $17.9 million cap hit is going to be less because they're going to move that into signing bonus. That's almost, to me, that's almost a guarantee. Like he's going to get his 18 million, but they're going to give it to him guaranteed, so that they can free up some space. I think that's a guarantee. The other low-key one that I'll bring up because you know what, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Jordan, you know, there's always these small cuts that you don't get as much big bang for your buck, but it makes a lot of sense. What if I told you that you could free up 1.2 million and not lose a thing, like just you could make that cut and, and nobody would really care all that much because uh, that's how much you can save if you cut Matt Hawk. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, you know, Daniel, you're just like, I want him hawking out of here. Okay. Get him the hawk out of Buffalo. I, you know, Daniel, maybe. Do you want to watch week 18 again? Do you want to watch the week 18 I game? don't want to watch to week 18 again. I'm not, I, I don't want to watch that, but I think you'll be a little bit too happy for a man losing his job and not being able to provide for his family. But okay, Daniel, go off. I mean, I don't really want that, but I assume, I assume after making a few million dollars for multiple years, he should still be able to provide for his family. Um, I'm just going there. If he's not, then he needs to, then he's in real financial counseling. Um, and that would be unfortunate. So we don't need to talk much more about that, but I think Hawk is a name. That's like a low key name that I'm, I am halfway serious. 1.2 million can get you something. Punters don't cost a lot. I think they paid him pretty well to come from Miami to Buffalo. And 
you know, I, there, there's not really a ton of expectations for punters, but I think he stood out as a guy who didn't really perform his best his first year. And you just got to look at that and say, was that an aberration or do we want to bring someone else in? And that's really comes down to, to me again, it's not saying you're not worth the money, but I'm saying the bills might need that money somewhere else on the roster and punters are pretty darn cheap to replace. So that's just my personal opinion, regardless. Uh, next up, and then we'll go to some fun draft stuff. Uh, Jordan, since we are talking Bills players, we are talking free agency. Mitchell Trubisky is out there. There was a lot of social media chatter from players like Jordan Poyer, Sierra Neal even. Uh, Josh Allen got in on it, Stephon Diggs. All these guys have said that Mitchell Trubisky is an athletic player who will be a starting quarterback next year. Now, again, this comes in the wake of Brandon Bean being asked if you're going to bring him back, and he said the door is wide open. If he's not satisfied with what's out there in the open market, the Bills will gladly take him back. But all indications are he'll probably sign someone else to either be the starter or at least compete for being the starter. And, Jordan, time is up. Where is that spot if you were a gambling individual? So I think the spot that makes the most sense to me is probably Pittsburgh because one, you know, the Steelers, um, right there, there's a gap at quarterback. So Mitch Jabriski offers a similar size and stature to that of Ben Roethlisberger, but two, they're more likely going to draft a quarterback. Maybe it's a Malik Willis. Maybe it's a Kenny Pickett, you know, Sam Howell. Who knows? That with every young quarterback that's drafted, there's always a veteran. And I think Mitch Trubisky could be serving well in Pittsburgh. I know Steelers fans probably cringe at the idea of Mitch Trubisky. Um, but I think that is an option that could serve him well. You would think maybe the Giants... But I don't think having Trubisky and Daniel Jones in the same kind of area really makes sense. You know, there becomes an awkward quarterback battle necessarily if you're trying to, you know, believe in Daniel Jones. Um, So I I think Pittsburgh makes the most sense. There is an immediate need, uh, especially just because the Steelers are going to want a veteran Um, I don't necessarily believe any of these rookie quarterbacks are going to be ready to play week one. Um, So I think that, you know, if of the options, you know, Mitch Trubisky out there, it's not the greatest. But in a transition period, which the Steelers are about to incur, um, I think Trubisky can serve them well enough that they could still be competitive um, and be a game manager. So I think Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense in terms of there's an obvious need. And I think that the fit could work well uh, in Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh was going to be my response to, and I'll give you my quick reasons. I, I do think their offensive line is also in a transition. Mitch can move a lot more than Ben Roethlisberger. You can incorporate a lot more of the modern NFL into your offense with some of the RPOs that, quite frankly, um, Ben Roethlisberger was not running RPOs regularly and Mitch Trubisky can add that to that offense. He has the arm strength to play in Pittsburgh. He obviously did in Chicago. And they're in a transition period there. I think him and Deontay Johnson are interesting to me. Same with Najee Harris. So Pittsburgh would be the fit. Again, there's the obvious need. They have not drafted well in terms of addressing the quarterback. So to believe that they're going to enter the draft with that need and be able to hit a home run 
is very, very iffy. You almost feel like they're, they need a veteran blanket that can come in there and provide some cover. Mitchell Trubisky would be a very intriguing option for a kind of prove-it deal, which is, which is what I think he's going to get no matter what. He's going to have some sort of maybe 10, 10 to 20 range contract to come in to be a starter, but it's not going to be very long, and they're going to try to parlay that into something else. So I'll give you my, my, my backups, my top two honorable mentions. I think Carolina is on there because, hey, the Bills, Panthers have some sort of weird highway that <laughs> people come and go from all the time. So seeing a Bill go down to Carolina and go into that offense would not be shocking. And, and yes, they have Sam Darnold for another year, but I think it's obvious they're not satisfied with that. And Mitchell Trubisky versus Sam Darnold in a quarterback battle uh, very intriguing to me, but it is a quarterback battle. Maybe he doesn't want to sign up for that. The other place that, that fits for me in terms of the offense and maybe his style, Indianapolis. They mm. probably would be smart to move on from Carson Wentz and get them some extra salary cap. The Colts are definitely a trade candidate with all the cap they have for a Russell Wilson, for an Aaron Rodgers. I mean, those are two names that you should see linked to Indianapolis how attractive Indy is to either of those two, I'm not very sure. But I assume they stay away from Deshaun Watson. That's the other elephant in the room. But they have a lot of money, and they can absorb a giant contract for a franchise quarterback. And they have Jonathan Taylor. They have a defense. So they can basically be in the the playoff Super Bowl market right away if they get the right guy. Otherwise, also, they'll be going in the draft, but they need a veteran, and I think Mitchell Trubisky would fit well with, I mean, all he has to do is do what Carson Wentz did at a minimum, and and I don't think, I think he can do that, basically. You know, I, I don't think there's any issue there. So those are my two honorable mentions for Mitchell Trubisky. Um, Jordan, I don't think there's really any other Bills topics. I know that Bob Babbage retired, the linebacker coach, and Bobby Babbage his son was promoted to take over, kind of grooming to be the maybe the potential defensive coordinator after Leslie Frazier. But other than that, kind of coaching changes, um, that's really all I got. So with that, Jordan, we can jump into our next segment, which is my favorite mock for the week. Mock! Yeah! Ing! Yeah! Bird! Yeah! Yeah! Yeah, Mockingbird, don't everybody have you heard? And this week we are going to NFL Network, NFL.com. Daniel Jeremiah has his Mock 2.0 out there, and we're going to dive into this one um, because it is a different type of prospect than what we've seen lately, but it's an interesting one nonetheless. And we're going to go through these a little bit more each time, and let me start off with this, Jordan. Um I don't know much about Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, but this dude is up there at number three for the Texans, and it's not the first mock draft that I've seen him very, very high. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on safeties, but I'm trying to remember the last safety that was picked that high. Jamal Adams. Adams. Yeah, was he two or three? He was like, I think he was like five. He was like five. Five or six. Yeah, it seems... It seems weird to see a safety that high, but I got to do a lot of research on Kyle Hamilton because apparently this dude is just all over the place if you're that high. Um, yeah. He he does have Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge rusher from Oregon, dropping to number eight. That's a name that you might see at number one or somewhere in the top ten. It, it's very interesting 
how this one plays out with a lot of the offensive linemen going early. Um, for Bills fans, Trent McDuffie was the first kind of corner that we did in our my favorite mock early, early on. I think it was two, three weeks ago. Um, he goes to number 12 to the Vikings. So the cornerbacks, I think it's going to be the way I look at it, Jordan. I feel like cornerback is like pick your poison. Um, you can't go wrong with a lot of these guys, but it seems like they're so closely rated that they're going to bounce all over the place depending on which defense is picking and how badly you need one. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like the market's very flux or fluctuating right now. Again, we still have like the combine and stuff like that. So it's still, you know, we're two months out and mock drafts are, you know, there's a, there are a dime a dozen. You have one prospect here or another prospect there. And there's not really any consistency in terms of which prospect goes where. But, um, you know, it, right now, who knows? It, it, there's a lot of unknowns still in this draft process. There hasn't been some clarity yet. Um, as we get into free agency, we'll get a better, more clear idea of where the Bills are going to go. But obviously, yeah, the corner market just seems kind of all over the place. Yeah, and so as this draft goes on, we'll call out a couple other things. Your your boy, Chris Olave from Ohio State, goes to number 17 to the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, we're obviously keeping an eye on that. Then you have the quarterback starting to go off with Kenny Pickett. Um, let me just make sure I didn't pass anyone. I think that was the first quarterback. It was Kenny Pickett goes to the Saints. Then Malik Willis from Liberty goes to the Steelers. Um, and then you get into Bills territory, and the Bills have a lot of people on the board that they could take, including my boy Jordan Davis, the nose tackle from Georgia. They don't take him. They go for wide receiver Traylon Burks. And this is a very interesting person. I probably watch a little more SEC college football than you do, Jordan. And you're in uh, what is it, ACC territory sure. up there. Um, but I will tell you, with Jamison Williams on the board, I would be very tempted to go there. But if you're telling me the Bills are going to land Traylon Burks, let me tell you something. Um, I'm perfectly okay with it because what he has is he's got a lot of speed. And he's got more speed, and he can do the return game, and he can do the slot, and he can burn people. Uh, again, this is another legitimate weapon on an offense that has a lot of weapons in, in the wide receiver room. And we just talked about the potential the potential of cutting Cole Beasley, maybe losing Isaiah McKenzie. Um, I wasn't thinking Traylon Burks, but... I'm not going to argue with it, but it's uh, it's an embarrassment of riches at that point because the Bills' offense gets a lot of speed with Traylon Burks. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, there's a lot of good things to like. Like you said, his speed, he's got apparently big hands, um, you know, got some quick moves. Uh, weaknesses, I guess, are he needs to be more consistent with catches and uh, maintaining weight. Um but I, from what I've seen, he's been very impressive. I know Connor Rogers mocked uh, Traylon Burks to um, the Bills in one of his earlier mock drafts about a couple weeks ago. So I think he's very happy. I think there's a lot of interesting receivers that the Bills could pluck in terms of if, like, for example, they want to move on from Cole Beasley. Yeah, a, a Traylon Burks would be fun because it's not, I wouldn't say it's just as simple as plug any receiver and play with Josh Allen, but I mean... If I'm a wide receiver and I just get drafted and I know Josh Allen's my quarterback, I'm feeling very excited about uh, the possibilities of what could be. So um, 
that would be a really fun option. And I keep saying receiver. I, I know like there's defensive tackle, there could be corner, but there's something about just adding another weapon that makes it a little bit more exciting for me. If you just add like a playmaker, like a Traylon Burks, and you add that to already with Diggs and Davis and Knox and McKenzie, it just becomes too fun to not watch. And I think the, to that point too, um, they need their equivalent of a Tyreek Hill. Obviously Tyreek Hill is his own kind of person, right? You're never going to replicate the same guy. But you need a guy who can, like, accelerate after the catch. And if you can find that in a guy like Traylon Burks, I think that just it, it helps you be able to compete more to get to that Super Bowl position. It's another weapon. And you look at what the Bills had to deal with this this season where Gabriel Davis got hurt week one. Uh, Stephon Diggs was healthy all season. But the previous year, him and Cole Beasley were kind of banged up heading into the playoffs. The more weapons you have, the more guys you can integrate in the offense, the more, you know, the deeper you are that you can be more flexible. And I don't know what's going on with COVID. Let's also throw that one out there. Who's missing a game or two down the road with COVID? Who's not? We don't know what COVID is going to be like. And I know that's not something we want to talk about, but having as many weapons as you can, being as big a defensive mismatch as possible is a huge deal. It opens up the running game and gives Josh Allen more options. And, and I am curious to see what a Ken Dorsey offense looks like. We assume he's just going to kind of keep that train rolling, keep that day ball train rolling. But he is his own person. He's been wanting to be an offensive coordinator for a while, and you don't get many shots at it. So you don't know exactly what tweaks he's going to do to this offense. It should be largely the same, but there's going to be a play-calling style. There's going to be priorities and maybe more speed is what they want. And the name of the game is speed. And you look at the Rams, you look at the Bengals, you look at the Chiefs. Um, those got teams have like three or four speed-based targets at the wide receiver position. So going there again is no problem. So then you follow that up with the Buccaneers would take Jamison Williams, which would be very good for them considering with their curiosity with Gar- Godwin, um, Dolphins, linemen, whatever. Uh, Jordan Davis goes to the Lions at 32. Mm. And I have to tell you, everything I know about Dan Campbell's introductory press conference about biting kneecaps off and winning the line of scrimmage, gosh darn it, if Jordan Davis doesn't go to the Bills, I'm all in on him going to the Lions. He would fit Dan Campbell to a T. And I'm pretty sure, even though Jordan Davis is a giant mammal, I'm pretty sure Dan Campbell is still larger than he is muscularly. You know, again, it's one of those options, right? Like I was just reading a dream prospect for the Bills, Jordan Davis, you know? So again, a lot of volatility with these mock drafts in terms of where players land. But I think good news for you, uh, Daniel, is that Davis's stock is kind of in that late first round area. So as of right now, it's looking potentially realistic that, you know, maybe, just maybe, that he could be around for the Bills at 25. It's very realistic. I am Mr. Realism over here. And the team ahead of the Bills that I'm worried about, there's two. The Chargers and the Patriots, both of those teams are teams that would fit very well for Jordan Davis and his skill set. Both of those teams are also going to be competitors for the, uh, the Bills moving into the playoffs. I don't really want to see him in there. All right, Jordan, that was our favorite mock. Again, that was Daniel Jeremiah on NFL.com, his mock 
2.0. You can go check it out there, see his write-ups, and we'll do more mock drafts throughout the season. If you have a favorite one that you want us to analyze and break down, feel free to send it to us at Two Bills in a Pod on Twitter or at Two Bills in a Pod at gmail.com. All that works. All right, this week we're going to do our position breakdown as we gear into free agency. Jordan, we are doing running back and cornerback. I know we've gone long on some other topics, but these two are big ones. These are the big, uh, I don't want to say they're the pressure points for the Bills, but let's just start with cornerback maybe. We'll switch it up and go defense first because we've already talked a lot about Levi Wallace. Um, when you talk about the Bills at that position, who is a free agent, who is not? Uh, Levi Wallace is a free agent. That's the big one out there. In addition to him, let me make it sure, there's no one left. Sierra Nail was the other one. So, Jordan, the Bills, obviously, I, I think we talked about this. I think they'll make an effort, Levi Wallace. I wouldn't, we both won't be surprised if he's franchised just for one year because it makes sense or if they sign him beforehand. But that being said, Jordan, are there any free agents out there that make realistic possibility of someone that the Bills could bring in at the cornerback position? If I'm looking at realistic, I think if you want to bring him in on a one-year deal, I know he's older, uh, but Jason McCourty is a name that maybe seems a little bit possible, right? Maybe he's in, the, he's in the twilight of his career. Maybe you sign him to a cheap one-year deal so he could go ring chasing, right? Um, that's certainly a possibility, especially kind of in terms of they're looking for maybe a Band-Aid option. I think he makes sense. And then I guess if you want to throw out another one, although I'm not really fond of this option, and I don't think they'll go, you know, do you go with Richard Sherman? I say probably not again kind of a guy who's the twilight of his career has gone. I know there are names like J.C. Jackson out there, Stephon Gilmore. Those guys are going to command a lot of money um, this offseason. The Bills just, they don't have the money to sign those guys. Um, but a Jason McCourty would be interesting. If you could convince him if he wants to go ring chasing, maybe a one-year deal, you know, certainly a solid veteran that could do good. Um I think it wouldn't hurt to explore, and that probably wouldn't be a very uh, expensive deal, but uh, maybe Jason McCourty is worth kicking the tire around. All right. I, you almost took my person, and I'm glad you didn't because I thought you were going to go there. I, too, was thinking of maybe an older veteran, someone who I'm not saying they're going to have to take a significant pay cut because looking at what they got last year, I think that's right in line with what you're going to pay Levi Waltz anyway. Um, how about Chris Harris? Um, he's a been, he was a cornerback for the Chargers this past year. He was notably a longtime cornerback for the Denver Broncos when they won their Super Bowl. Uh, Chris Harris is a veteran. He was only at $8.5 million for the Chargers last year. I, if he's around that, I feel like that fits a guy who has playoff experience. He's only played in the AFC West. I've heard him on interviews talk about how he'd like to kind of see the challenge of playing somewhere else in the AFC West. Um, if you could pick kind of just something that he's curious about, the AFC East is very different, but you're going to have a lot of AFC West teams that you're going to want to be familiar with. The Chargers did pretty decently against the Chiefs. Um, Chris Harris is a guy that I'd be very interested in just considering his playoff experience, his knack for getting turnovers. I think that's one that I'm looking at. And like you, yeah, J.C. Jackson is going to be very interesting, but 
not for Bills aren't affording that. I'm pretty positive that ain't going to happen. But if you go way, way down the list and just say, hey, who do you kind of, you know, who are you fascinated with? I've always been fascinated with Desmond King. I don't know why. Um, but he's bounced around teams the last few years. He was a former high pick from Iowa. Again, another guy who can help in special teams, smaller cornerback. Um, but he hasn't stuck with teams, so you always wonder, you know, what's going on there. So next up, Jordan, uh, those are the free agents. How about in the draft? And I'll say, since we're going to do a, a deep, deep draft breakdown later after free agency, you know, this is a position where you can go all in and just pick who you think who's first round worthy because I think there could be multiple cornerbacks taken in the draft, but this is one where this is realistic to me that this is a first round, second round pick. So go crazy. Who's a name that you're watching in the cornerback position in the draft? You know, I think the one name, he's not a first round guy, um, but I think a couple, one name in particular, Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati, not that Kobe Bryant, obviously. Um, but Cincinnati has a plethora of defensive backs in this draft who are going, you know, who are very talented. Um, I think Kobe Bryant might be a second or third round pick that's worth looking into if they're not going to go, you know, round one. You know, not a lot of these prospects I have to do a lot of looking at, but if they want to invest a first round pick, Andrew Booth from Clemson also makes some sense. But I would think Kobe Bryant maybe in the second or third round because I did watch a fair share of Cincinnati football this year. And, you know, they obviously got Ahmad Gardner right there, who's going to be a first-round pick, uh, probably picked in the top half of this first round. Um, but Kobe Bryant is a guy that I'm kind of interested in. I have to do a little bit more research, to be honest, in terms of his tape. Um, but that Cincinnati secondary has been solid, and they were a big reason why they got pushed to the playoffs and had the season that they did. So uh, he's kind of the the name that I look at and be like, I'd be curious about, um, you know, as a – uh, round two or a round three kind of prospect. And the other thing with Kobe Bryant is besides the fact that he probably would have made my name list when we get to breaking down the cornerbacks in the draft, um, he's a senior. And the Bills with Brandon Bean have shown a knack for going after seniors, especially high in the draft. So you can nearly not go wrong there. And the other senior that stands out is probably a first-round caliber player in Roger McCreary from Auburn. I don't necessarily want him because he's been very up and down. He's a guy, you look at him and you're like, man, he was great in junior year, but he played last year, right? Yeah, but his junior year was great. Like, uh, there's something wrong there. Like, you're getting first-round stats because of what you did two years ago, but you did play last year. Yeah, but, you know, let's not talk about that. That's a little concerning for me. I think I'm interested in a Kyler Gordon from Washington, and I'm also, like you mentioned the name earlier, I do like Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson, a junior not sure if he would be a first-round pick for the Bills because of that, but um, definitely a guy that I've seen mocked, definitely a guy I've looked at with some film. Clemson had a little bit of a down year, but this is a guy who I think has the size and the ball skills to play pretty well in this Leslie Frazier defense. You know, the top cornerback on the ball board is another Cincinnati Bearcat in Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Besides the fact that I think a guy named Sauce playing in Buffalo, home of Buffalo Wings, would be amazing. I don't know if you're trading up to make that dream a reality, but I'll say Andrew Booth Jr. That would be the guy that I'll look out for, but I do agree with you, Kobe Bryant, a name to watch as well. Next up, and it's a hot topic, running backs. The running backs, y'all. We got some... 
Jordan, I got to be careful of how I say this. The running back position was very, very strange last year, and it has been strange for like two years because Zach Moss played pretty well his rookie year. We're like, get rid of Devin Singletary. He didn't play well at all. And then the next year, Zach Moss kind of dropped off, and Devin Singletary had an amazing second half of the season, a huge asset for the Bills in the playoffs, and uh, looks like RB1 all day. Um, we were looking for Travis Etienne in the draft last year. Didn't happen. Matt Breida showed up. Some Bills fans were really wanting more Breida, more Breida, more Breida. So, Jordan, let's look at the running back room. Uh, guess what? As, you know, Motor Singletary is back. Zach Moss is back. The free agents are Matt Breida and Taiwan Jones, who's primarily special teams, so we'll wait and see on him. But that's it. Those are the free agents. So, Jordan, do you bring back Brita or Taiwan Jones at all? No. It's no. I, I just don't think that there is a need for any of those two. I guess from a special teams perspective, you could bring Matt Brita back, right? And that's what probably they'd bring him back for. Um, it's To me, I, I feel like there's a bit of a... We can move on from those players. There are other options, cheaper ones. And, yeah, I, I think that Singletary kind of has emerged as running back one. Um, I'm not even so convinced that Zach Moss is going to be on this roster at the start of the season. So that's kind of a question for me, maybe as a going back to the whole cut candidate potential. Um, but I think we can let Brita and Taiwan Jones go. I do think Taiwan Jones finds his way back, not just special team, but he was also a captain last year. So um, if the price is right, I feel like you can easily make that work. Um, but Matt Breida, I think if he comes back, it's very, very late in the game when they've exhausted some other options like post-draft. So, Jordan, let's go free agency. And there's one name to watch because this is the name that I think every Bills fan is just like salivating over especially when he's out there liking Bill's mafia posts about the fun that he would look like in a Bill's jersey. And that is Cordero Patterson from Atlanta. Mm. Um, he is engaging with Bill's mafia on mm. social media about, yeah, I would look good in that Bill's uniform, wouldn't I? Um, uh, what a, a tease. Very, yes, yes. What a tease indeed. Um, a guy who, again, just another Swiss Army knife, a mismatch. Can you do things that Devin Singletary can't do? Yes, with Devin Singletary's emergence. Um, you can keep a guy like Cordero Patterson fresh. You can keep him a weapon. He's familiar with the division from some time in New England. Um, the price for him, again, Atlanta was only paying him $3 million. I'm not sure what he's going to command, but a very intriguing option and a name I think Bill's Mafia is watching closely, and, and I am too. I think from afar, everyone appreciates Cordero Patterson's game, his story. Um, he's found a niche in the NFL, and Debo Samuel is a you know an outcome of that and what he's doing in San Francisco. But besides Cordero Patterson, let me give you a couple names of some guys that intrigue me. But it comes down to price tag. And the first one, I'm intrigued a little bit by David Johnson. I don't know the best part of his oh, – well, let me clarify. I know the best part of his career is behind him. But you're looking at a guy who can supplement what they're doing with Zach Moss and, and Motor Singletary. 
I feel like David Johnson's a veteran that's done a lot of different things in this league, that he's a guy that could potentially come in and spell them when needed. And the last guy that I'm kind of just curious about, because I've seen him from afar, um, you know, I kind of wouldn't mind an Alex Collins as well from Seattle. Again, not sure his market value, but I do know that he's a short yardage guy. That's something that Motor has not noticeably been great at. And if you have a short yardage guy that can pound the rock for a couple short yardage plays in the red zone, maybe that relieves some runs for Josh Allen and saves him on those QB sweeps on the the third and shorts. You know, Cordell Patterson, you know, it might be nice. It might be nice. I mean, what a tease, right? He's just kind of like the the equivalent of the dating world being like, yeah, you're kind of cute. Yeah, you know, maybe we'd... uh, He's swiping on the bill. Yeah, he's he's, he's like, I don't know, maybe we'd make a cute couple. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, like the tease that, I mean, because that would be fun. I mean, because, I mean, he was a Swiss Army. I mean, we saw him in that Falcons game. He was their running back. He was their receiver. He could have been their quarterback at times, too, right? The guy is like a Swiss Army knife, and that's kind of fun. Imagine him and Isaiah McKenzie doing some fun trickeration plays. I mean, it, it would be kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, I, I think that one name I will say they should avoid is James Conner. Now, he had a tremendous season, a career year. He's going to ask for a lot of money. Don't pay it. it just it's it's not going to work out for y'all in the end. Um, well, let's let's only let's clarify this. I think if nothing else with this season proved, I don't think they're fishing for an RB one because of what they got from Motor Singletary. I think I think his down the stretch made them say, you know what, you can do this. We just maybe need a different one B to your one A, or maybe a full number two, but. I think the performance of Motor Singletary at least eliminated like half the guys from this list because, like, hey, if you want to be the guy, you're not the guy. We have that already. I think Philip Lindsay is another name you can look at. Philip Lindsay, um, you know, I maybe a James White, perhaps, you know, Sony Michelle, again, kind of guys who are comp- complementary running backs. Um, I think I'd feel pretty good in terms of if they were brought into the fold all those players being able to be productive as sort of an rb you know two sort of scenario so those are some names i think you know again if you're kicking around some money that might be worth bringing in again to give you a bit of a one-two combo in terms of free agents yeah and i think with zach moss on the roster they go the veteran route to have a little bit more experience in the room they've drafted running back quite a bit so as we transition the names that are possible let's not sleep on the fact the third round is brandon bean's running back round that's where he's looking for guys clearly and it's worked out for Devin singletary zach moss i'm he's basically on the same glide path isn't he like great rookie year bad sophomore year so now i'm expecting great third year but it's not it wouldn't shock me if they went through the draft again because i do think running backs you know, Devin Singletary is a veteran now, I guess, in his third year. Maybe go the veteran route, but these are guys that have played in playoff games already. What do you really need to bring a veteran in for unless there's just a different skill set that you're not seeing? So let's look at the draft. And I'll say again, I don't think they're going to be in the market for, say, a round one running back because of what Devin Singletary showed. There's not really a round one running back in my opinion opinion the way there was last year with Najee Harris and Travis Etienne where I would be like just give me any of them but 
there are a couple names that I would like. And the first one is Zamir White from Georgia. Again, different than Devin Singletary, short yardage guy. Man, this guy runs hard, and that fits with kind of that that power ability and the ability to move the ball in short spaces where the Bills want to be able to do and they want to be able to run when people know you're going to be running. Zamir White would fit that to a T. And the other one is way down the list, and that is Master Teague, the third. Part of that's the name, but also same thing. you got a guy who can carry the ball in short spaces and do a lot of different things, and he is from the Ohio State University. Blah. Um, uh, sorry, Ohio State reaction. Um, Brees Hall is probably one of the names, that if you want to go round two, if you're looking to invest high, is a guy that intrigues me. Um I'm a little bit wary of Kenneth Walker only because he, again, kind of breakout season at Michigan State, but I'm also like, eh, is this something that can last? Um, and then I think another name that's probably another one to watch out for, Jerome Ford from Cincinnati. You know, he started off as an Alabama prospect, comes out to Cincinnati. Uh, he was a nice uh, addition. I, I'm kind of high on some of these Cincinnati guys. There's a lot of product, products from uh, the Bearcats. So uh, probably they'll go towards a veteran. But, I mean, if they're going to invest high, Brees Hall would be kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. I, the practice he put out in Iowa State uh, was a fun one to watch for sure. I mean, round two is where it gets real interesting, right? Especially if the running backs fall a little bit. You're expecting a lot of offensive linemen to go early. There's definitely going to be a run on cornerbacks in this draft. Receivers, I also know... Round two or when receivers are going to fly off the board because you have a lot of them kind of jammed in there. And, and you could forget about the running backs, and they could slip a little bit. And while there's not maybe the top, top running backs that we've thought about, if, if, a, you know, if Brees Hall is there and the Bills are picking, it wouldn't shock me. You know, Again, it brings something different to the game, and you might have something really good that you didn't expect to have. Um, but, yeah, we're obviously you and I have clearly watched a lot of Cincinnati Maybe you like their uniforms like I do, and that's why. But I know safety, I went with the Brian Cook pick for the Bearcats from safety. So they were high on a lot of Bearcats, so I think watch them. Luke Fickle's got himself some uh, prospects coming out that might help him in recruiting down the road. All right, so that's running back, that's cornerback. We'll do two more positions next week. Jordan, let's go around the AFC East as we get ready to wrap this podcast up. The Dolphins are first. Their coaching staff was announced. They got some ex-players on there, including former Dolphin defensive backs Patrick Sertan and Sam Madison, as well as wide receiver Wes Welker, um, who Debo Samuel credits for helping him out the most when he was in San Francisco. So, you know, you got a head coach who's not a former player who, you know, would have a little bit of an issue potentially on paper relating the players and he's surrounding himself with former players, and not just some former players, basically Miami Legends and Sertan and Madison. Um, they also have the most cap space, I believe, to absorb an Aaron Rodgers contract, if that trade should happen. Jordan, um, as the Dolphins are trying to take place, what are your thoughts about what's going on in Miami? Are you still in wait-and-see mode, or... You know, from what they're able to do now, are you liking the position they're in right now? I'm still in a bit of a wait-and-see situation for me, honestly. Again, I think a lot of it's going to hinge on what do they want to do with the quarterback situation. 
Do they believe in Tua now that Brian Flores is gone? You know, what direction are they going? I'm not really sure in terms of where this team is going. I don't really have much faith right now because it seems like they're kind of going any direction. And it's not really clear at this time which direction they actually want to go towards. Yeah, I mean, they've said they have an offensive plan around Tua. I like some of these moves. I mean, when Debo Samuel says, Wes Welker's the reason I am who I am in the NFL, that's a good, that's all I need to really hear to say, okay, that's, that's a good wide receiver coach, right? Um, but yeah, there's a lot of wait and see. Aaron Rodgers stuff has to sort itself out because there's a lot of teams linked to him, including the Packers, obviously. But we'll, I, I'm just not sold on Tua. And as long as he's their quarterback, they're, to me, going to be very limited in what they can do offensively. But there's no doubt that they have a decent supporting cast and they have a lot of draft capital. Next up, the Bills, or sorry, the Patriots. Ugh. The mm. Patriots, J.C. Jackson, are far apart from a new contract. In fact, he says they haven't even spoken to the Patriots for several, several weeks, and they never got a deal done during the season. And surprise, surprise, he does not intend to sign that franchise tag. So he probably will hit the open market, but don't be surprised the Patriots tag him because he is a top five corner in the league based on stats. So I got to know, is he, would he be a better free agent fit for the Bills or a bigger loss for the Patriots? Ooh, probably a bigger loss for the Patriots. Don't get me wrong, I'd love to have J.C. Jackson I don't necessarily believe he's one of the better corners in the league. I feel like sometimes his numbers are a little bit inflated, you know, a la Jets-Zach Wilson game. Um, but, I mean, listen, he's a great corner, but I think it'd be a bigger loss um, for the Patriots. He's been a stalwart at that corner position for them for such a long time. Um, and I think there are, you know... Uh, some questions about that defense considering what the Bills just did to them in the playoffs just beating them down and uh Stefan Diggs had his way with JC Jackson like it wasn't even close um so I think it'd be a bigger loss for the Patriots only because listen it's not like their defense could get better without JC Jackson you know I think they have a good defense overall but I think all that game against the Bills really exposed a lot of things that probably are wrong or underlying in that Patriots defense I'm going to go the opposite. To me, it's a bigger gain for the Bills if they can somehow make it work out because you're going to have a cornerback duo, Tredavious White and J.C. Jackson, and that is very salivating to me. The flip side of that, too, is I only care about what the Bills are doing at this time of year because the Bills are that good of a team where they can beat everybody. They just have to play the way they can play. So whatever the Patriots are doing, not doing, it, it, it doesn't matter at this point until they can consistently compete with the Bills, which is great to say, and it sounds arrogant at times, but the Bills should have been in that Super Bowl. They were good enough to be in the Super Bowl. They lost to the Chiefs. They made several mistakes in that game to help lose to the Chiefs, but because of how good and talented this team is, adding talent, is just an embarrassment of riches, and it's like I don't. Teams have to now come up to where the Bills talent level is and be able to beat them consistently. The Patriots are several, several players away from that. I don't think a J.C. Jackson, especially with how uh, turned around he was by Stephon Diggs, isn't going to move the needle of that one way or the other, whether he comes back or not for the Patriots. Next up, the Jets. Smoke screen season, Jordan. It's here. 
and it's real. There's a lot of reports now this week about the Jets' love of Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton. Love them. They just are they're fawning over him. They need him so badly with one of their first two first-round picks. And then you see a mock draft where the Texans are taking him ahead of the Jets. Smokescreen or not, is this real? Uh, why are there so many weird reports about a love of a prospect when we're still two months away of the draft? Um, I definitely think it's smoke, but I find it hilarious that they trade would trade Jamal Adams. Again, I know this isn't the Seattle pick, but to trade away Jamal Adams, to go through that to then just draft another safety in the top five would be kind of hilarious, even if Kyle Hamilton is as good as he is, right? Um, I just would find that hilarious and Jets fans being like, we can't believe we drafted another safety in the top five. What are we doing? Um, I would find it hilarious because they need a lot of needs. I don't think safety is one of them, but I would be hilarious hilarious if they drafted another safety within the top five. Yeah, I. this is definitely smokescreen. They're trying to drum up trade value because the Jets need a lot. So it'd be great for their fans to have two picks in the top ten, but I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to get a third first-round pick somehow and really just help their cause by getting a lot more talent. They need it all over the place. I don't. I'm not saying Kyle Hamilton will be bad for them. He'll probably be very nice for them, but it's smokescreen and it's weird and it's too early for that. We're not even a free agency. Save that for the combine or something. Come on. Next up, Jordan, we'll go around the NFL now to wrap this up even more. The NFL and the Rocks XFL are partnering to explore rules, safety changes, and equipment testing. Um, do you like this partnership? And I'll tell you, I love this partnership because a, the NFL needs some, not minor leagues, but they need some sort of testing environment for a lot of things, including rules and refereeing and all that stuff. Not to say the referees are going to be the same for both leagues, but for a spring football league, especially to survive, to me, it has to have some sort of relationship with the NFL because a partnership will help these leagues last. We've just seen too many leagues go at it independently for them to believe that there's like the USFL or the XFL or arena is just magically going to solve this formula and be around forever in the spring. It just doesn't work. I think a partnership of any sort's a good thing. And the reasons they're partnering to me also makes a lot of sense. And I think that makes a lot of sense to right? you know, you have not essentially a minor league system, but it almost, it is in a way, right. So, you know, to test out things, right. They're going to test out new rules, equipment, stuff like that. I think they do need a guinea pig sort of league. And listen, it's more opportunities for players to play. Um, speaking of just minor league football, the USFL is coming back. It's back and they had a draft. I saw that on my yeah, Twitter timeline. Did. I was like, okay, I didn't didn't know this was happening, but sure. Um, so uh, that's a thing that's happening. Um but I think that it's going to be interesting. Again, the XFL was doing pretty all right. But remember, COVID just kind of like stopped it in its tracks. You know, they just started in 2020 and it was kind of interesting. And then COVID happened and just bankrupt the league. You know, I know The Rock is a part of this now. Um, so you're hoping, barring any other pandemics, that this could happen and make it, you know, worthwhile. Um, 
So it's going to be interesting. I think it, you know, makes a lot of sense. And I think that that pipeline, that connection with the NFL is, makes a lot of sense. Uh, instead of the XFL trying to be something that the NFL isn't, I think it's just smart from a business standpoint for the XFL and the NFLs who have some sort of working relationship with one another uh, in order for the XFL to, you know, be a league that can be a sustainable one. Yeah, I was equally surprised the USFL was back. I feel like we heard about it, but then they did the draft. and like, oh, Shea Patterson is number one pick overall. I'm like, huh? Did you have to declare for the USFL and just give up your NFL dreams, or how is that working? I have no idea. But they had a draft. Um, it happened. So, whatever. Next up, Brian Flores, who's currently in the middle of a lawsuit against the NFL and several teams, has joined the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff as a defensive assistant coach. Uh, Jordan, what are your thoughts on Brian Flores? Are you, are you surprised that he got a job? Um, and how do you like the fit there in Pittsburgh? I mean, I'm glad he got a job, but let's be honest here. He is overly con- he's overly qualified for this position. Um, he should be a head coach. Like, I, this is a position that he is way, way, way too overqualified for, you know, and I'm glad that he still has a job. Um, you know, kudos for the Steelers for making a great hiring decision. I who wouldn't? Um, but I, I can't help but feel like Flores is just he is way too overqualified for this position. And I think he's happy just to still be in the league and have a job. Um, but man, it just feels like a massive demotion, and that shouldn't be the case for him. Yeah, he's overqualified. He should be a head coach. Again, stacking his resume and what he did in Miami compared to guys who got jobs this past cycle, um, you, you can't. He, he's got, he has the, the answers there in terms of how good his team performed based on maybe what their expectations were. This year, yeah, they got a slow start, but honestly, I don't know whose responsibility it was to draft Tua. And Tua was the only thing holding him back. And to me, there's a home run hire on not, I am surprised that he's coaching. Honestly, I, I thought that he would have a year out or be going through this lawsuit and not coaching, but not surprising that Mike Tomlin, another minority coach, is the one to kind of give him the outreach and bring him on board. And I think this is a great coup for Pittsburgh. His defensive style is very similar to what they run in Pittsburgh, and he's a guy that's going to help Mike Tomlin a lot on that side of the ball, and I think Pittsburgh's defense just got a lot better. Next up, maybe a little surprising, Jordan, Troy Aikman. Reports are he is leaving Fox and moving to ESPN for Monday Night Football. Um, gosh, I wonder which one of those all-stars he's going to be able to replace. <laughs> it's going to be a tough one. Jordan, what are your thoughts on Troy Aikman's voice coming to the Monday Night Football booth? Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. Troy Aikman's kind of white noise for me in terms of NFL commentators, to be quite honest. Like, I hear him talk, but it's just kind of like, when I'm watching the game, I don't know if it's just Fox, if it just kind of turns into like wah 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 wah. Like it's, he doesn't he doesn't move the needle for me. So I guess like good on you ESPN, but uh, I, Troy Aikman doesn't move the needle for me. It just kind of becomes white noise in terms of his commentary. Like it just, he's not really do he he doesn't do much for me. He doesn't do anything for me, pretty much. Well, I'm not really listening to him anyway. I'm watching the Manning cast. So ESPN already found some alternative, and then they're going to throw more money at the Monday Night Football booth. 
But this is the Sean McVay money, right? Like, we didn't get Sean McVay. He went back to coaching. So, I guess we have to do this. Otherwise, we're rolling Brian Greasy and, and Lewis Reddick out there again. So, we'll see where they go. But they spent a lot of money on the Manning cast. Might as well watch it. You know, that's what I say. And finally, we'll end with this. Aaron Rodgers, he did a 12-day cleanse. Um, then he wanted to thank all these important people in his life. Um, he's not decided on his retirement yet. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But he just did this 12-day cleanse and is really reflective on things. You know, very spiritual, that one. Uh, Jordan, have you ever done a cleanse? Have you ever no. done something that's like, man, I need to reassess my entire life choices because of this awakening that you just experienced? I mean, I don't think anyone is opposed to you talking about all the drugs you use. I mean, come on, just let it all out. I- <laughs> Uh, no, I, I have never done a cleanse. Uh, Aaron Rodgers continues to be a very weird and strange person. Um, no, and I, I, that's like the equivalent of like, I went vegan and let me tell everybody I went vegan and let me tell you how awesome being a vegan is, but I would not. I have vegan friends who are lovely. Um, but no, I don't think a juice cleanse would change my life in any way other than making me feel miserable and wanting carbs. I mean, I've done a clean eating cleanse. My wife and I have done a couple of those with the COVID experience. Just you're in home, might as well cook more. But I wouldn't say that it gave me an eye-opening experience on life. I'm just curious if this means, like, what new hairstyle he's coming out with next year because it changes every year, and that's clearly what he's discovered in my book. But, Jordan, that is all I have this week. We have a lot going on. I know the combine is coming up. We'll get ready for that. But otherwise, that is all I got this week. All right. Well, that'll do it for another episode of Two Bills in a Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, we are on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Two Bills in a Pod. Research it. Look it up. We're also on Two Bills in a Pod on Facebook and Twitter. Make sure you give us a follow so you don't miss when episodes drop. You can also follow us personally on Twitter, at GreatBeardHan on Twitter, and me, Jordan, at Ozzy44. We will talk to you next week. Take care of y'all. Take care of yourselves. Be good, people. And uh, yeah, we'll talk some more Bill's Contact next week. See ya. There must be some kind of way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. There's too much confusion I can't get no relief With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time No, Lucky Land Casino With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.